Hello. This is the Kimmick Podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Michaela. Hello, keys. How you guys doing? New season. It's exciting. I love it. Are we not working? Are we? Just we're keep. Just, oh, it's all working. Just oh, good. Good. We're trying out new stuff, new, new things. New equipment. New equipment. New processes. New processes. New season. New year. New the year song. Of the Wood Dragon. It is. That is me. That is me, you. me, me. And now we have new theme song. New theme song. Which is her first pick. Actually, it is my first pick. Because I made it. She made it. And we were, since we're talking about silent cinema. Shh. Silent, silent. I was like, how could we introduce the silent cinema way silently, but, you know, without pictures, we really couldn't do that. Yeah. So just pretend that this is all in silent and you're reading from a card. <laughs> you could kind of pretend that way. Or something. Yeah. 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 It was something. <laughs> I was like, it'd be fun to make a silent movie with kids, but I don't think you could do it. I don't think they would last very long without no. giggling and they can't read very well. So, Well, see, the thing couldn't. with silent movies was that there was sound. They just didn't record the sound. So you could make a silent movie with kids. You just wouldn't record the sound or right, you would right. remove the sound post-production. Yeah. Yeah. There was always sound. That was a, <laughs> there was always sound around it. There was usually live action and, you know, live piano playing and, but all of the sound was added. We will talk a little bit of afterwards. But yeah, <laughs> silent so, cinemas. So it is, I, I love silent movies. Ever since I was a kid, we had the Turner Classic Movies channel. Yes. And I have very vivid memories of watching Charlie Chaplin movies when I was a kid on summer vacation. Because, mm. you know, you'd be busy doing whatever. And Turner Classic Movies, they're old movies, you know, they're all good. And I was always just so captivated by them specifically charlie chaplin he was my introduction into the world of silent cinema and i just i found him so funny oh, he's incredibly funny in my opinion so too. funny and he had the best facial expressions I, it was and there was just something about i mean i wouldn't understand any of the social constructs or social commentary that he had in his films but even as a kid, I could have a base understanding and find them funny and amusing. Mm -hmm. So Charlie Chaplin has a very special place in my heart. I, I would get a Charlie Chaplin tattoo. I so would, too. Yeah. I have I a will. little Charlie Chaplin one, doll. One just, yeah. Probably you and I would get mm -hmm. one of those together. But ever, been our love. ever since yeah. then, I've had a love for silent movies. Mm -hmm. And I remember we would watch, I remember watching Phantom of the Opera when I was really little, the original Lon Chaney one, and loving Nosferatu. it. I don't think I watched no, Nosferatu I until scary. I was older. Yeah, you, that was way too scary. No, Phantom of the Opera yeah. was really scary. <laughs> I thought I always thought it was mm. actually. So I I don't think I watched Nosferatu until I was older. I loved the original Cat and the Canary is mm -hmm. one of, one of my favorites. Ew. I remember seeing that on Turner Classic Movies, yeah. the silent one. Yeah. And I remember just like the creepy hand coming it's out of the wall. The it's just a hand. It's the uh, uh, 
creature from the Black yeah. Lagoon. Hand. <laughs> the haunted castle has the hand. Hands are scary. Hand. The beast oh, with five fingers. Some creepy little hand coming out at you. Hands are pretty it's scary. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite scary. So, so that is your first song. Yeah, so technically my first song pick is, is our new theme song creation. that I made. Yeah. I did make the original theme song as well, but we needed a little refresher. You know, we had a couple two years on that. It was time yeah. to like just change it up. It it was time and I was ready and you were ready and then I create so many different sounds and bits and bobbles here and there so the hardest part was trying to narrow down a sound she's like write adjectives just write adjectives on how you want the music to sound and that worked and then she created something i was just like that's it yeah i I didn't oddly enough i have found for me as far as creating beats and music because I like so many different stuff, my brain is like going 20 miles an hour all the time. And, you know, I'm thinking like, I want to make it a punk hip hop Western thing with harpsichord and, and jazz. And jazz. But if I can have somebody else just give me a list of adjectives, I could be like, okay, I'll start listening to some samples and find stuff that fits that. And then I can build from there. And that simplifies my crazy brain of wanting to make all of the things. You know, I'm partially responsible for that crazy brain. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Pretty sure it's all you. It's fun. You Um, know, it's like a a carnival ride in your mind all the time, isn't it? No wonder I feel half like a circus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go to my first song since we did hers. Let's go. I picked the song that Charlie Chaplin wrote. Uh, there's always one you can't forget. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. There's always a song, a movie, something that you can't forget. True. So he wrote this instrumental in 1916. Wow. So. One of the things I find really fascinating about Charlie Chaplin that I didn't know till I was older was that not only did he act in movies, he wrote, he produced, he directed, and he wrote the musical score. For all of his movies. Well, in 1916, when this came out, mm-hmm. he set up his own music publishing company. I don't know if you do that. <sighs> My hero. But, but. <laughs> and, and they only recorded and and put out three songs. <laughs> one was this song. There's always one. You can't forget. The other one was, oh, that cello. And Peace Patrol. And he says, when he released the first two, there's only one you can't forget. And, oh, that cello. They made, they, they like rented this upstairs room and made a thousand copies of it and ended up selling three. Yes. <laughs> and then he did the Peace Patrol. And, and shortly after that release, which really didn't do well, yeah. he, he kept saying, buy crappy songs or just not making it. So he shut down the whole the whole company shortly after that. I mean, so I guess being a music publishing company just wasn't in the stars for him as that much. So that's kind of the music kind of business in a nutshell. You print a thousand copies and you sell three. Yeah, two of the people were people that were just happy to walk by oh, down below because they were up on the third floor. 
Yeah. It's like one to his what friend. Is that now? One hey. To his best friend and we'll one to the you. person who happens to walk by, like, hey, 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 hey you. Yeah. You you like this music? Three dollar. Three dollar. <laughs> anyway, so let's play that song. There's always one you can't forget by Charlie Chaplin. It's go. Cool. There's oh, it's like what is the name? There's always one you can't forget by Charlie Chaplin. There you go. <laughs> it's very pretty. I loved it, and he thought he was a crappy music writer. You know, we, he's a, these are my crappy songs, but I thought he was really good at it. I mean, so. all of his movies have fantastic soundtracks, and he yeah. wrote them. Yeah, and so, I'm pretty sure he performed them and recorded them, and. He pretty much did, did everything, everything himself. Yeah. He was a master at his well, craft. Yeah. Well, I, instead of picking a word of the week, mm-hmm. I picked silent cinema terms. Ooh. Okay. So the term silent film uh, describes the period of early cinema that lasted from the late 1800s to early 1930s. And due to technical issues, these films were released without sound and so a visual language and style of presentation developed that is still basic grammar of movies today. That was pretty interesting. Um, Continuity is the silent era term for a screenplay. For some filmmakers, such as comedians, the continuity was merely the outline of the story, and it left room for improvisation. Okay. Uh, Cutting is the silent era term for film editing. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the film negative was literally cut widthwise with scissors to create strips of film, each containing a scene or single shot. The strips were hung in front of light boxes so editors could tell the scenes apart. And then the desired scenes were fastened back together with paste mm-hmm. <laughs> to form the finished product, which was sent to the processor to be copied and sent out to theaters i think it's interesting that we still use a lot of this terminology to this day like you know cut scenes cutting as far as editing and then you know saying like scenes from the film editing booth floor because when they were cutting room floor yeah the cutting room floor when they were literally cutting pieces of film apart they still do that too sometimes they cut the crap out of them too yes and sometimes it's really a detriment to the story. So, yes, but it is. I, I understand. We'll, we'll time is that. of the essence. It really yeah. is. Yes. Uh, Dutch comic is a popular type of makeup used by vaudevillians and some silent era comedians. It tended to consist of a short beard, mustache, 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 spectacles. Ooh. Gotta like the spectacles. A frock coat. And a Dutch accent, meaning German accent. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Interesting. Uh, German Expressionism is a style of filmmaking from Germany that started in the 1910s. It featured the use of stylized lighting and set designs. Most extreme well-known example being the cabinet of Dr. Caligari that were greatly inspired by modern art movements and the general willingness to experiment with new forms of expression. And the result 
were dramatic and a visual cues to the themes and the emotions of the film. And many of the well-known German expressionist film explored dark themes such as madness Ah, and death. (laughs) Cabinet of Dr. Caligari has both. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is one of my favorite silent films. Would you like me to speak on it now or later? Later. Later. <laughs> All right. Proceed. Uh, grease paint is a skin-colored paste that appeared as early as the 18th century. Grease paint was initially made of zinc, okra, and lard, which Ew. sounds disgusting, and was in common use in theater and in films in the 1900s to the 1910s. And in 1914, Max Factor, which I didn't realize Max Factor had been around so long, created Supreme Grease Paint, specially designed to reduce the glare caused by the bright film studio lights. And this was the standard makeup in use during the silent era, initially coming in 12 colors, but increasing to 31 shades by 1920s, which I thought was really cool. Well, I know, I mean, Lon Chaney, the man of a thousand faces, is what he was titled as because he had a box of makeup, primarily grease paint, Mm. and he could transform himself into any character that they needed. Because he needed work. He was a single dad raising Lon Chaney Jr., raising his son. Mm-hmm. He needed the work. So whatever role they needed, he just became that. fixed himself up with some grease paint and some so whatever. And he became whatever they needed. He was so clever. Oh, so clever. And he's it's, also one of my all-time favorite silent film actors. It's, funny that it's pretty cool that you mentioned him because um, his parents were deaf Mm -hmm. and i'm watching a k-drama that's called twinkling watermelon that's about a deaf family who has two sons and one son is deaf and the other one can hear and the one that can hear is the speaker of the family he's the ears the mouthpiece everything and it kind of reminds me of him of lon cheney yeah Yeah. and the struggles that that entails Mm -hmm. Even today, I, oh, I can't yeah. even, even imagine. Oh, yeah, even with technology and everything, it's still difficult. And I I used to know the alphabet of sign language, but I would so love to learn how to sign language. I think it's a beautiful art mm-hmm. to, to watch. So, yeah, love it. Anyway, where do we are? Oh, orthochromatic is the type of film that was used from the late 19th century to the mid-20s. The look was very crisp. Crisp. Comparable to Blu-ray quality. But since the film was sensitive to the greens and blues, some colors did not register normally. So red looked black and blue appeared white. Weird. Ah, Isn't that strange? Um, the, The term reel is a single roll of film measuring about a thousand feet. When played, it tended to run about 10 minutes long. And silent films were not measured by minutes of playing, but by how many reels they were used. Like one reelers Mm -hmm. and two reelers is how they talked it. And many comedy shorts were two reels. Which I thought was interesting. 
only 20 minutes long, which if you think about our sitcoms, when, you know, you take out the commercials, they're about 20 minutes long. That's so, true. That's yeah. true. Um, title cards, printed captions inserted into a film and explain the action. Or the, or the speech, what people are saying. They add dialogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, early titles were often in plain letters and... Um, were short and served only to clear up possible confusion. But in time, title writers began to experiment with prose styles and dialogue titles and became almost an indispensable comedies were filled in with jokes, joke titles and humorous dialogue. And title writers were paid a few dollars a word and worked to match the words with the actor's lit movements, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then they started experimenting with like a lot of times it was on black and it was kind of hard once you're like reading the the little card and then you go back to the picture which is bright it kind of messed with your eyes and it's hard to adjust so they started experimenting with like different boundaries on the cards and stuff and came made it really elaborate which i thought was pretty cool that is really cool i, I love the artistic mm. uh, uh aspects of all the silent film you think about it just me too i think because they didn't have sound and the film that they were working with was limited with color and exposure i feel like it led to a different level of creativity for the time you know they had to rely on body language and facial expressions to convey whatever they whatever story they were trying to tell and i just I feel like it led to a different level of creativity to overcome the obstacles that they were faced with. Yeah. And and they really did have brilliant color. It just didn't display well in the film. Like they said, you know, Mm -hmm. red looked black and blue looked white. You really didn't know. Yeah. And my last one is vaudeville, Mm -hmm. Uh, a family oriented variety show that appeared in the 1890s and was a main form of American entertainment until around 1930. It evolved from the tradition of burlesque and medicine shows, which I thought was interesting. Um, uh, Theaters that hosted the shows were known as vaudeville houses and the acts have been, um, they, uh, excuse me, I can't read that. What did I say? Consisted of everything from singers to acrobats and to comic skits and vaudevillians uh, they hoped to get the later slots of the program because the first slots were the least desirable because they had to warm up the audience and mm-hmm. so no one wanted to be first and no know? one ever wants, Everybody to be first. wants to be last so they're remembered yeah, it's like being the opening band at a show you, you don't want to do... be the opening band and most people don't even show up for the opening band they yeah. show up in the middle of the show yeah that's true so they would put a short film at the end of the of the play or the program, mm-hmm. they would put this little short thing called their the chaser. <laughs> so they'd throw out this little little film. And successful vaudevillians had to be very talented, unique, and able to appeal to audiences of all ages and backgrounds in order to get steady work. You mm-hmm. know, so um, they were constantly often responsible for their own bookings and publicity. And great film actors were graduates of vaudeville, like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Mae West, Al Jolson, the Marx Brothers, Bob Hope, Judy Garland, Mm -hmm. on and on. So, Well, and I mean, you know, this is a time before 
television. The time before, you know, radio. Oh, they had radio. They had radio. Radio. But not like the radio we think of today. Before social media, before all that jazz. And yeah, they just had to make it on their own. We'll do radio sometimes. Radio shows. Oh, yes. We've talked about that. Well, pick your second song. So my second song, I've been in a really weird, all over the place state lately, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just making it up as I go along. But I picked The Story of Nothing by the Aquabats about the invisible man. It just made sense in my brain. Don't ask. (laughs) It made sense in my brain. We're just going with it. Invisible, silence. It's the same. Yeah. I don't. uh, It made sense in my brain when I picked it. Either way, it's a great song. And I love the Aquabats. So this is The Story of Nothing. By the Aquabats. Okay, go. The Story of Nothing by the Aquabats. <laughs> You're pointing at me. I'm like, it's your song. <laughs> it's my cue. Yes, yes. That is the cue to go. The silent cue that is. Not yes. my turn. It's your turn. The silent communication of like is <laughs> wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Wink. Right. <laughs> so my second song is by a band that's called A Silent Film. Okay, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> but the song is called "This Stage Is Your Life," hmm. which is true. It is this stage right here, the here and now, is your life. All the world's a stage. That's right. William Shakespeare. Hallelujah. I learned something in literature class. <laughs> yeah, so this song came out in 2012 off the Sand and Snow album. Okay. I really, really like this band. They're a British band that I did not know about. But I think they, I don't know if they're still a band. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if they're still a band now, but... Um, yeah, a silent film band. You can still listen to their music. This Stage is Your Life by a silent film. The band. The band. Yes. (laughs) Which is a really awkward name. And if you think about it, a silent film. It's it's a little awkward. I don't know. Uh, I really like their voice. Yeah. And it's perfect for this show. All right. (laughs) So let's go. This Stage is Your Life by a silent film band. Yeah, they're uh, a, uh, they're not a band anymore. I guess they um, ended it in 2018. But they're a two-member band. Mm. So it's Robert Stevenson, who's the vocal, piano, and guitar, and then Spencer Walker, who's the drums. But I really like them. They have a cool sound. Yeah. Like this. I love alternative rock anyway, so. I feel like that's one of the really cool things about this podcast is not only do we get to share our vast love of all the music and all the bands, but we also get to find new bands and find new music. And that's so much fun. Oh, I love it. I so love it. it, it I think it's Iggy Pop, too. That's a, it, he is like finding a diamond in the rough. Yes. I love finding new music all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's 
it's exhilarating. And I have this like insatiable uh, appetite for music at all the time. So. Oh, me too. Um, me too. I love musicians that love music. Uh, it makes me geeky to hear about other musicians that just genuinely love music, all music. It, it makes me geeky. <laughs> yeah. Cause we understand that feeling. Yes. How, how it feels to just really, really get excited about music. And weird music and foreign music. I was actually listening to Jello Biafra's podcast. There's always room for Jello. There's always room for Jello from the Dead Kennedys. And he's one of those people that just likes the weirdest niche music stuff you have never, ever heard of. Well, you can watch Jello DJing. I want to go see one of his DJ I shows. loved it. It yeah. was so much fun because he gets so frustrated when something doesn't work right. It's cute. But he gets so excited and it makes yeah. us all excited. Exactly. Like listening to his podcast because he interviewed the singer from Gogol Bordello and just talking about the weird Ukrainian pop punk postmodern bands that you've <laughs> never heard of but it's so fascinating to hear about these obscure bands from europe and how they have made their way over to jello biafra in california or something you know it's <laughs> yeah. just so cool and interesting and then i'm like oh well jello biafra is excited about that i'm gonna give it a listen because you know why not i love music too but it's just fun to share stuff like that. And that's one thing I love about this podcast is that we get to explore and share as well. Yeah. And I, and I hope you guys can find something that you really geek out about because everybody needs that little happiness that that someplace, whether it's, I don't know, candles or clothes or I don't know, whatever. K-pop. Maybe it's accounting. Maybe numbers is your thing. Maybe you geek out about numbers. Some people do. You just are jazzed about numbers. <laughs> I don't know. Or cooking. It's like I was baking with granddaughter. I, I love doing that. And the house smelled so mm. good. And I was like, I posted pictures. I made I made honey hole wheat bread. I made apple crisp. But when we went to bed that night, it smelled so good. It was like one of those old country uh craft stores that you go into and they just hit you with this nostalgic kind of spicy homemade bread smell. Mm, it was lovely. Mm -hmm. Both her and I, we slept like, just like little angels at night. So, yay. Anyway, music, all things. Uh, we all geek things. out about everything. Yeah. So here's some kind of some facts about silent movies. Okay. Mm, silent film musicians relied heavily on classical and popular music as accompaniment. And they also tried to create sound effects such as crashes and horse hooves. I was thinking coconuts. <laughs> coconuts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got the lovely magic. <laughs> or they would try to uh, make falls with their instruments, which I don't think is a good that idea. Sounds like a terrible but... <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of early silent films fell into two categories. One was action, such as westerns or adventure, particularly with exotic locations and animals. Huh. And the other genre that was good for the box office were dramas, 
especially melodramas. Mm-hmm. And in that exaggerated facial expressions or gestures were not totally out of place, you know? Yeah. Is there always, yeah. you know? The big villain, uh-huh. the big mustache. <laughs> and I'm Rodrigo. <laughs> I'm Hugo. Was Hugo. Hugo? That yeah. was Rodrigo. Save was me, Rodrigo. Save, Save me, Rodrigo. Me. Yeah. I'm Hugo. If you watch, <laughs> that's it. Correct. Here I come. With wicked, wicked intentions. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you gotta tell that's from uh, Little, Little Women. Little Women. But it's the older version. It's the one with Peter Peter Lo- uh, Peter Lawford in it. And Peter Lawford. Elizabeth Taylor. And Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, that's my favorite. She's, that was so Elizabeth good. Taylor, so good. So good. She's my favorite in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, though the remakes are good, too. The one with uh, Winona Ryder is good and stuff, but... The other one with uh, with Peter Lawford is my absolute favorite. Mine too. So, yeah. Um, and fortunately, unfortunately, there were many reasons why so many silent uh, films became lost. Was one of the uh, technology the film was, that was used was terribly um, unstable material called acetate celluloid, mm-hmm. which I'm sure a lot of people know. And it deteriorated with age, and it was notoriously flammable. Yep. So a lot of film studios went up in flames. Yeah. A lot of it just deteriorated. Another factor that went into a lot of the silent films being lost, particularly German silent films, was the wars. World War One and World War Two played a huge role in losing film and culture mm-hmm. from that era. And the government and silent films were really close. They used it to... Oh, propaganda? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, the government, no matter what country you're in, still uses film Mm -hmm. and television for Mm -hmm. propaganda. That's Mm -hmm. just known. But, I mean, especially with extremist views like the Nazi Party and World War II, Mm -hmm. anything that didn't fit within their idea of what they wanted society to be including you know art and film they would burn it yeah they would get rid of it yeah there are a lot of instances of films that were able to escape to poland and be saved Mm. of like you know german historical films that you don't see and thankfully you know some people were able to save and preserve the films so we do have a decent amount but Oh, it would be so cool if we could get some of those films back. Well, there is like a little society. I'm not sure if I even wrote it down in here um, that you can join. And what they do is they educate people on how to preserve stuff. They reach out to others. Sometimes someone will find an old film cut in the closet somewhere of their great, great grandfather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of. And then. They get a hold of it and they're able to restore it and mm-hmm. make it so. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, one of the greatest silent movies of all time is The General. Oh, the Buster, Buster Keaton. Keaton. Yeah, yeah. It, it was filmed in the Cottage Grove area in the summer of 1926. The General is a Civil War tale, the fictionalized account of an attempted hijacking of a Confederate train called The General by Union Spies in 1862. But that's considered one of the best. Um, It's actually 
it didn't get a lot of it wasn't lost so a lot of it is is was preserved yeah, yeah. um i find it for me i love it but i also find it kind of long and and i lose interest but that's that's me yeah it is really clever and and he's so cute anyway but. i love for me i prefer buster keaton's short skits and and Charlie Chaplin's long movies. Yeah. I feel like Charlie Chaplin had a way of keeping the pace a little bit better. But Buster Keaton's short skits were just... Wah! Yeah. His skits were just phenomenal. Just the short 15, 20-minute long ones. So funny. Mm-hmm. So funny. And to me, he has more of a, a stoic humor face mm-hmm. where Charlie Chaplin was very animated very facially. Animated. And to me, that's a little more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. definitely understood Charlie more as a child and Buster more as an adult. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Chaplin is considered the greatest silent era actor and called the best comedian in film history. And, and I, I agree with that. I mean, he put in so much work. I would say Charlie and Buster put in so much work. I mean, they were both basically acrobats. And they had to be so physically fit because, you know, they did all their own stunts. Right. And it's just incredible, really. Yeah, he he became an international icon, you know, thanks to the Tramp. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can still, like I said, that, that would be a silhouette. A uh, tattoo for me is the tramp. Everybody knows Everybody it. Everybody knows it. I would say, along with the general, probably the Gold Rush by Charlie Chaplin would be one of the famous silent films of the era. Yeah. Uh, the most famous silent movie studios were located in New York City area, which I thought was in- oh. interesting. The Edison Studios were first in West Orange, New Jersey in 1892. And they were moved to the Bronx, New York, in 1907. And then Fox in 1909. And Biograph, 1906, started in Manhattan with studios in St. George, Staten Island. Other films were shot in Fort Lee, New Jersey. I was like, California? Yeah. Yeah. I think just because from where we um, are at this point, you know, Hollywood and all of that. It's because that Edison Studios. Yeah. Yeah. But same, I mean... Anyone, especially growing up in America, you think movies, you think California, you think Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's just what your brain thinks. Yeah. But that's interesting. I thought that so, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I thought we'd just uh, like pick uh, a movie, one of our kind of favorites. Mm-hmm. I-, I like a lot of them. It so was hard. <laughs> um, like I mentioned, The Cat and the Canary is probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I like to... Creepy, I like the creepiest. Um, but do you want to pick a song before we? We get could pick into a song. How about our favorite? How about I pick two jokes first? Okay, let's pick two jokes. This sounds good to me. Okay. Why couldn't the bad sailor learn the alphabet? Why? Because he was always he's always got lost at sea. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> Why did the old man fall in a well? Why? Because he couldn't see that well. (laughs) I can't see that well either. (laughs) What a coincidence. (laughs) Okay, your third song. 
So my next song, I picked The Ghost of Stephen Foster by the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Because the video reminds me of old school Mickey Mouse shorts, which then reminds me of silent films. So that's where that train of thought that's came it. from. I love Squirrel Nut Zipper. I, I love they Squirrel Nut Zipper band. They're one of the best bands I've ever seen live. So if you get a chance, definitely go mm-hmm. see them. They're phenomenal. Just, uh, just so babysitter. So good. I yeah. appreciate you because that yeah, was a, an incredible show. And so, The Ghost of Stephen Foster (laughs) by the Squirrel Nut Zippers. The Ghost of Stephen Foster by the Squirrel Nut Zippers. (laughs) Such a fun song (sighs) and a fun band. They are so magical. They just, they do, they are. They're so good. They were good then. They're good now. Their old albums are great. Their new albums are great. They're fantastic live. Highly recommend if they come to your area. I will definitely go see them again if I ever get the chance. I will see them for the first time. Oh, so good. Chance. Yeah. And the Ghost yeah. of Stephen Foster live is oh, it's fantastic. Oh, it's so fantastic. <laughs> it's funny. We've been watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Yes. And the second one. With the mom and she's dancing by the stage. I'm like, that that's me. <laughs> Every show we got to, who's the one dancing? Me. The mom dance. Yeah. I am that mom. <laughs> you got the glasses and everything. I got the glasses and everything. <laughs> that movie's so fun. Those movies are so fun. The the real um people. The live action. The live action. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my third song is called Silent Movie. Mm-hmm. By Yubin. Yeah, she was uh, from Wonder Girls. And this came out in 2019 off of the Start of the End LP. And it features Yoon Murray. She's from FMBTY. So, go. Silent Movie by Yubin. Movie by Yubin. I like that. It's really a good. Cool song. Yeah, it's a cool yeah. sounding song. Yeah. So I kinda I like all kinds of silent movies, like I said. Um my favorite Charlie Chaplin movie might be The Gold Rush when he dances with the little biscuits. Mm-hmm. And they're so cute, you know. And then uh, Johnny Depp did that when he did in Benny and June. Mm-hmm. Um that I've been following him lately. Good old Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to talk about Metropolis. It's a science fiction silent movie that really is epic. It's it's a German classic. Yeah, yeah. came out in 1927, um, and it's science science fiction. Like I said, um, it is regarded as the pioneering science fiction film, mm-hmm. um, being among the first feature length one of the genre. So the uh, the filming took place over 17 months in, from 1925 to 1926. And in the future, wealthy industrialists and business tycoons and their top employees reign over the city of Metropolis from these huge skyscrapers. And while the underground dwelling workers toil, toil. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> I'm so toiled out. <laughs> 
I think we know what that feels like. Kim Possible (laughs) on Ron. He's just like, you have to toil for the Supreme One. Well, that's what you get. And he's like, oh, man, I'm so toiled out. (laughs) Um, But the workers toil to operate this great machine that powers the whole city Mm -hmm. of Metropolis. Yeah. So it's very relevant nowadays. (laughs) It is really fascinating, but it is so What was that? was the the one movie um ember city of ember it kind of it's similar makes me it reminds me of city of ember it a is little bit. it is um, similar yeah. yeah it's long and that's one of the movies that was cut a bunch and then they lost part of it and, and it didn't make much sense and they created and some of it and found part yeah. of it and yeah well, I love the original score that yes. was by Gottfried uh, Humpertens, Humperts, Humperts, I guess is how you say it. Um, but in 1984, Giorgio Marauder restored and redid it and produced a 1980s soundtrack that featured Freddie Mercury and Loverboy and Adam Ant. But you know what? It just doesn't work. I own I own that version of it, the Paramount version of the 1984 release. The filming of it is great. But for me, I'd rather just turn off the sound. I love the soundtrack. It's a brilliant 80s music soundtrack. But in my humble opinion, it doesn't fit with the movie. It it feels so disjointed. To me, it's um, yeah. I it it just it doesn't fit the vibe in my opinion either. Yeah, um, you know who redoes silent film scores and is actually really really good at it is Argyle Goolsby from Blitzkid. Okay, he nice. did a version for Nosferatu. That's right. That's right. I own that version. It's fantastic. I do own that. It's so good. Yes, yeah, I yeah. forgot all about that. Argyle Goolsby from Blitzkid. There you go. And he's he's phenomenal. He's wonderful. We, I love Argyle Goolsby. I mean, like like a separate uh, piece? That soundtrack is great. Yes. But to try and watch that silent movie for me with that. So um, I guess I think it's called uh, the, the Great Metropolis or, or something. Does have the original score and the the restoration, and I believe they've got it now. I, I can't remember. It might be something different that was ninety five percent restored. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sounds about right. I believe that's the one that I watched. The thing with the new soundtrack on Metropolis for me, I think it's the singing that kind of the singing me just out of it. yeah yeah the like, music if isn't it was so bad. If it was just, just music? Music? instrumental. I feel like it would have translated a little bit better. Yeah. But it is just our opinion. You know. 80s. It's an 80s thing. It's an 80s thing. Yeah. Well, do you want to hear two jokes or do you want to talk about your movie? We can do two jokes and then I'll talk about my movie. Okay. What monster is best at hide and seek? What? A werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it... Their wolf. Their castle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that one. Okay, I got a knock-knock joke. All right. 
Knock, knock. Who's there? Radio. Radio who? Radio not. Here we go. <laughs> That's cute. Radio. <laughs> um, so my pick for it's and it's hard for me because I also have so many favorite silent films. Um, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is probably one of my all time favorite films. And part of it, as I mentioned earlier, is just the artistic expression of it. So Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is probably what is considered peak of the German expressionalism era. So the film is about this guy who thinks that his love was assaulted by a sleepwalker and a crazy circus guy. The basic premise But as you're watching the film, everything in it is designed to make you feel uneasy. And I find that so fascinating because it works really well. They built all the sets, but everything is tilted or angled in a really weird way that just makes you feel off center center and off balance. And And you do feel a little bit nauseous sometimes watching it. It leads to the overall storytelling which i find just absolutely fascinating yeah it's considered the first great work in the horror genre actually um but the word horror first was used to describe a genre in the 1930s they didn't even have that word for it but there's also like they had like 10 great silent horror movies Mm -hmm. I, I I was going to write down the list of stuff, but I thought if you want to check it out, you can type in the 10 best silent movie horror movies. Well, I'm sure we and, can think of a couple off the top of our heads. I mean, obviously Nosferatu. Yeah. And that is a good example one, and, of the German expressionalism as well. And that was by Murnau. Also, um, uh, the uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde mm-hmm. um, when it first came out. Yep. Um, and they didn't, he didn't even use makeup. He just distorted his face to do the other character, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. But um, going back to Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, one of the other reasons why it's my all-time favorite is the actor who plays Cesari, the sleepwalker, mm-hmm. is Conrad Veet. Yeah. And he's one of my favorite silent film actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a couple... Of his films, he was in The Man Who Laughs, which is by the that same person so good. who re- wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It is so, so sad and so, so good. good and beautiful. And he had to wear this weird prosthetic that made his face smile the whole time. So all of his expression was through his eyes, which is fantastic. I mean, they're limited enough without speech but then he was limited to just using his eyes for expression. And it's beautiful. He was also in another really good silent horror film called The Hands of Orlock, where he gets the hands of a murderer. And it's it's so good. He's one of my favorite silent film actors. And yeah, I just I can't say enough about The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's got a surprise ending. It's got all the goods. Yeah, it's got creepy sleepwalkers a creepy carnival it's fantastic 
Yeah, so that uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde came out in 1908. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari was 1919. Uh, I said 20, but... The original was 1919, yeah. Yeah. The filmed in 1919, came out in 1920. Yeah. But, yeah, hands down, one of my favorites. I love Nosferatu as well, but... Caligari just Caligari's on a, just a different level oh, of, so of disturbing. Good. And I think it's just... I think it's just everything that went the into art, it. The artistic expression, the, the colors, color, the, the shadows, the use the of shadows. shadows to imply is so good. And Murnau used that in Nosferatu a lot with yeah. the shadow of Nosferatu. The shadows are creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> They they did so well with so little, and uh, I always feel like I learned something from a silent film. Yeah, well, you do. It, it still goes on all the things, the mm-hmm. tech technology and everything that was uh, first introduced still affects mm-hmm. film today. Well, and not only that, but you know, despite technology and advances. Humans are still humans at their core. You yeah. know, we're really not all that much different than what people were like 100 years ago. Right. We all have basic needs. Yep. And if you're struggling on any of the lower levels of basic needs, it's it's hard to really uh, create and, and do when all you're doing is surviving. Yeah. So. I feel like. But, but it is vitally important that you take even five seconds, five minutes, just step out of. The horror drama of life and really whatever, whatever, laugh at something, just something. Find tiny little gratitude in the day, lightens it, it, even if it's just a little bit, would help. It helps depression. It helps. Yeah. You never want to despair. Well, and I feel like that's also part of what makes a character like Charlie Chaplin so relatable and approachable. Because, you know, he's the working class. He's trying to make ends meet. He's doing the best he can with what he's got, you know, and he's kind of bumbling around. But he's also joyful and he finds joy in the little things. Yeah, it's easy to relate to someone who's on that level than (laughs) someone who's way up here. Yeah. You know, the elite few. Exactly. uh, We're all the majority common people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and I've talked. Quickly about drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished that My Lovely Liar, starring Kim So Hyun, who was on Bring It On Ghost, and um, Juan Min Hyun, who is no New East and One Hundred One, and that was really good. Uh, she could hear lies, and and then I watched a cute little Japanese drama called My Cuteness Is About to Expire, and I absolutely loved that. Uh, Let's see, I don't want to picture their name. It's Yosuke Yamada and Kyoko Yoshine. I hope that's right. But I loved it. It came out in 2022. And like I said, I'm watching the Twinkling Watermelon, uh, the 2023 that has the deaf family. And I really love that one. Um, I want to give a, a shout out to our really good friend, family, daughter, Sister Julia, mm-hmm. who started her own uh, clothing like design. She is an artist and she does uh, black 
like silhouette art on denim. She does a lot of denim stuff. Uh, really cool, one of a kind art. And people would approach her about her pants. She does all this art on pants and jackets. And people come up to her and asks her where she gets it. And she decided to open up her own thing. And her website is www.mysteriousgardenparty.com. And you can also find her on Instagram, too. So if you search Mysterious Garden Party on Instagram, you can find her page. It shows all of her clothing items and everything is unique, handmade. It's fabulous. I'm going to order myself a custom jacket because, you know, I love my girl and I got to support her and she's super talented. She she shines at art. She always has. Mm -hmm. She's just a phenomenal artist. And to see her, because I always told her, you know, you should make magnets. You should make something. And, and she's like, you know, that's a good idea. I'm like, you should. People would scarf on this art, especially if you can bring it to an affordable um, thing. Because, you know, a lot of art, in my opinion, is priceless when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I had this one artist that come through when I worked at Hobby Lobby. And he would he would show me his painting that he got framed, and he's like, well, "How much do you think it worth? It's worth?" And I'm like, "I have no idea. Right. Priceless, you know? <laughs> yeah. So hard to put a price on that." Um, and let's see. Today's birthday is Yuto from Pentagon, twenty five, and Issa from Stacy. I like that band too, Stacy mm-hmm. band. And on uh, January twenty fifth is Lee Jun Ho from two p.m. I love his his acting so much. (laughs) And then it would have been Moonpins on the 26th. Rest in peace. I miss him so. Um, But I really, really, really love the Moonbin and Sanha, um, the duet music. I've been really liking them, listening to them a lot. Um, I almost picked Eyes with E-Y-E-Z on you. I almost picked that song for this. Listen to that song. And next week, we next are week. going to, do you want to say what it is? I can. We are going to do an album review of one of our favorite albums by one of our favorite K-pop groups, Edu Vix. Ah! Arguably one of my all-time top favorite K-pop albums that have ever come out. Yeah. Ever. We're doing it a little early. But it's in honor of Robbie's birthday that's coming up next month. Mm-hmm. So, so we will be going in depth next week with each track and feelings, song. thoughts, all of the things. Parallel universe. No, that was later. Oh, or well, yeah, we could that came out after it. The Vix. Yes, but we could talk about the live Fantasia concert that we watched oh, together. So good. So, more about that next week. Thank you, Key, so much for tuning in. We mm-hmm. love you guys. Hang in there. We got this. You guys are brilliant. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not. We love you. Keep singing. Wash your hands. <laughs> yes. Be kind to each other, everybody. We're all wonderful, all together. We need each other. We love you. This is Kim. And I'm Michaela. And this has been the Kimmick Podcast. Bye. Bye.